Well, we're doing this off of my iPhone, which I can't seem to hear, because I can't get online. So you're going to have to bear with me. The quality of this may not be very good. Who knows? I haven't done it this way in a while. Okay. Let's see if I can hear anything. Bear with me here, folks. Oh, says I'm connected. Well, I don't even know if you're getting this. Hopefully it records. And, uh... Oh, okay, thank you. Um, some technical difficulties. I'm not sure what this is all about. But my wife was kind enough to tell me that she can hear me. So we'll go with that. I can't hear anything. So I'm just going to have to watch things play out. And I didn't play the show for I don't know what that was. Um, we're having some fun here tonight. So who knows? Who knows what we're going to say, what we're going to talk about. And uh, I, I don't know. I just don't know anything at this point. Except I do know that the Lord is in control. If you're listening, I appreciate that. Even when we have technical problems. We haven't had problems like this in a while. But ever since this nonsense in the Ukraine began, especially over the last two or three days, I've had a lot of technical difficulties, and I understand that there's a reason for that. Um, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Lord. So welcome to the porch. I'll just read the opening to you like we used to. This is where we get back to basics, by examining the Word of God and especially the example of the book of Acts Church, to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence of the early church. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. We appreciate your support. There are ways to do that. Go to the main page on Firefall Talk Radio, tell you how to do it. Everybody that supports us, we appreciate your support and encouragement. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Remember, you, we can always be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, SoundCloud, and Spotify, where we are right now. We are also heard on Blog Talk Radio. I'm not sure, folks, how long that's going to last. If you are a Blog Talk Radio listener, and I've tried to honor you because you were our original listeners, please let me know. Otherwise, probably in the next month or two, I'm going to have to stop paying for that service. It just doesn't seem to be paying off. But I will do it if there are listeners there that ask me to. We are posting also on Podbean and getting a good response there. If I could find a way to do live both on Spreaker and Podbean, I would probably do it. So again, welcome. Um, don't have anything more than that. We do have 
praise reports and prayer requests. This is the community part of the porch. If you'd like to listen and be a part of that, that's great. If you'd like to email us your praise reports and prayer requests, that's great too. If you don't want to be a part of that, go to the sound of the shofar and we will take it from there. Um, we start out by praising him. Never go into his presence without praising him. So, of course, we praise him for our salvation, um, my family, my wife, my sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, furry kids. We praise him for his love and his favor, his protection, his provision for the dreams and the visions which are increasing, for his healing virtues, for his divine abiding favor, and for continuing revelation in this crazy prophetic time. And um, we praise him for that. So let's pray. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, may they prosper who love you. We got our eyes focused on the Ukraine and Russia. Um, we need to pay attention that there are other things going on in the world. We have other brothers and sisters, and we need to pray for all of them. Pray for America. May God forgive us and shed his grace upon us. May he guide our leaders to do what's right before him and not what's right before their bank accounts or the global elite. Yes, I did say that. Um, we pray for all the people being victimized by their leaders right now. In regards to the Ukraine thing, I'm going to step in it here. I pray for the people. I pray for the soldiers involved. Not so much for the leadership, because if you do your homework, they are not the heroes that they would like you to believe they are. Please do your homework. Please read the facts. Maybe go back to World War II. Maybe go back to 2013 and 14. You'll get some eye-opening things. But people and soldiers get caught in the games that these people, these leaders play. So I pray for them. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the innocents and those that have been victims of injustice. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, for the missing and exploited children, the victims of human sex trafficking. I pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith, for the growing religious persecution and anti-Semitism and all the things we're seeing that the Lord told us would happen. I'm praying for divine wholeness, health, and healing as we get back to our divine design. If you're injured or you're sick or you're dealing with something right now that you need the Lord to touch you, I pray for you. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords, I pray that you would be touched, you would be healed, you would be delivered, you would be made whole so that you could live the life he wants you to live and do for him what he needs done. I pray that he would protect us and inspire us and for the remnant clock to awaken all who have been called for a time such as this. Praying for the open doors for all the projects and plans that he's given us. There are a lot. I've shared them with you. I shared them in a newsletter. I owe you a newsletter. I will get that out this week. But we really need to be about our Father's business, and we need the finances to do that. So join with us that everything we need would be delivered, that we could go out there, destroy the work of the enemy, 
live out Luke 4.18, set the captives free, and take the message of the kingdom out into the world. Uh, Kate in Wisconsin says, praise God for his faithfulness, grace, and provision. I thank him for his protection and for allowing me when I get in my and for allowing me when I get out of my own way to hear his still small voice. I thank him for the country in which I live, the freedoms we enjoy, and the ability to fellowship with other believers. She says, I ask for prayer. I'm getting ready for trial, and it's a grueling process. I'm going through a lot of, as I'm going through a lot of personal upheaval. I'm praying to take one day at a time and rest in God's daily provision to avoid getting overwhelmed. Please pray that my son understands why I have to be away from him. Encourage him while I'm away. Pray for him as he adjusts to the custody schedule. Asking for prayer for co-worker Courtney that the seeds that Kate has planted will flourish into faith in Jesus the Messiah. And finally, she says, I'm praying for all the Porch family and their needs. Kim in Fort Mitchell always starts out positively, says, I'm doing good. I want to praise the Lord right now. He saved my soul, and he's the one keeping my recovery going every day. Says, I got promoted today. Well, yay, congratulations, Kim. This came out of nowhere. I prayed over it and checked my motives. Please pray for me as this new job requires a lot more patience, toughness, and management skills. Father, what is happening in this world is breaking my heart, but you said that it would be this way. Help me to keep my eyes on you on you only. Remind me of who I am when I feel overwhelmed. Save souls, Father. Protect our families and our pets. I'm praying for the innocent people of the Ukraine and all over the world. Protect and guide our children and us from the enemy. Praying against human trafficking of any sort. It says, please keep our bodies strong and healthy and our minds clear and focused. Save our family members and please protect my brother and family in Germany. In Jesus' name. Well, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we can do these things. That we can... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? We can join together here online, that we can pray together, that we can do these things as brothers and sisters, as children of the Lord. We thank you for giving us your favor. We thank you for connecting us as a family. So Lord, please guide us. Let this um, session of the porch go without any other complications. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, and we thank you for the love, for the grace, for the mercy, for the cross, the empty tomb, and the upper room. So, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever you want to do tonight. Let this word go forth, and let Yeshua be glorified, and the word be brought to life. If you agree with me, say amen.
These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. All right, so I want to share with you what inspired this Bible study, which is called, What Did He Say? And over the course of everything going on in the world and all of the um, news media reports, all of the things coming out, it's just been amazing to me how many people who claim to be believers do not know what the Word says and what the Lord said and what the Father said. When we began the porch, um, May of 2010, actually we began in March, but we were doing that through a conference call and a slideshow, excuse me, and then we went to Block Talk Radio, <coughs> and then I coughed, no, and it was always the concept that we would stop being birds in a nest Excuse me. Eating pre-chewed, regurgitated word, and that we would get into the word and we would know that he's what he said. Here we are, almost twelve years later, and I still see that people are depending upon me or others to tell them either what the word said what the Lord is doing. You have the same Holy Spirit in you that I do. You have the same access to the throne room. You have the ability to hear his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice and none other will they follow. Somebody would say, well, how do I know I'm hearing the voice of the Lord? Well, now I know. He says things I don't want to hear. He says things I could not have possibly thought of. I hear things that I know that I did not already know that come into my head and fill in a blank or refer me back to Scripture. Once you begin to hear his voice, you will know it. But I began to realize that we're living in a world that not only rejects him but doesn't want to hear what he has to say. This is Psalm 14, starting with verse 1, and this is the Psalm of David. He says, and this is the Amplified, The empty-headed fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable deeds. There is none that does good or right. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any who understood, dealt wisely or sought after God, inquiring for and of him, and requiring him of vital necessity. They are all gone aside. They have altogether become filthy. There is none that does good or right. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and who do not call on the Lord? We got where we are right now by spiritual ignorance. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That means the knowledge of his law where he reveals his will. And he's saying this to the priest, because you, the priestly nation, have rejected knowledge. 
The Lord says, I will reject you from being my priest since you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. The teachers, the, the, the priests of that day who were also the teachers, have created a situation where his people were being destroyed because they did not know him. So where did this ignorance begin? Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. And this will be where we're going to be for a little while. Starting with verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, Eve replied. It is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And Eve was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, desirable, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man, who was Adam, and his wife Eve heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. And then God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. There's a whole lot going on here, but the, the, what it comes down to at the very beginning the serpent who's working for Satan, I don't believe the serpent is Satan, even though later on they do attribute it to him. I believe he was working for him. You notice Eve's not shocked about a serpent speaking to him. There are actually fossils, incredibly old fossils of snakes that had appendages, four appendages. So apparently this one could walk and talk. Kind of like a politician. Anyway, he says to her, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? That's where the deception begins. Did God really say? Well, back in Genesis 2, which Eve wasn't around for, verses 15 through 17, says the Lord God placed the man, being Adam, in the Garden of Eden, to tend and watch over it. Many, many theologians and rabbinical teachers believe that the garden is a supernatural place outside of the natural reality. And it, it's kind of a sanctuary. And he was placed in there to tend it, to watch over it. 
But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. You shall surely die. Eve was the easier target because she wasn't there when that command was given to Adam. So either she misunderstood what Adam said, maybe Adam didn't tell her, or maybe she just got it wrong because God never said anything about not touching the tree. The deception and the destruction begins with her ignorance over what he said. And this innocent mistake had catastrophic consequences. When the enemy comes to you to deceive you, you better know what God said. You better know what the Lord said. You better know what the Word says because Hasatan and those that serve him, the deception begins with twisting God's words to cast doubt on his goodness. The original prohibition only applied to one tree and had nothing to do with touching it. It was eating it. Now, here's the other place that the deception begins. Satan says, you will not surely die. You won't die if you eat that. Folks, anything that comes out of the devil's mouth, even if it's a partial truth, is a complete lie. He is a liar. All that serve him are liars. They cannot be trusted In John 8, 44, the Lord says to the Pharisees, You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. All lies, all deception, all deceit, originate in the kingdom of darkness with Satan himself, the fallen, and their demonic offspring. That's why liars get a special place in the lake of fire. You won't die. Satan will always tell you the opposite of what the word says. There's no hell. Hell's a man-made construct. God never mentioned anything about hell when he made the heavens and the earth. The Lord doesn't talk about it, and that's just an outright lie because he does. And by the way, I believe I believe hell is in the center of the earth where the molten core is and the magnetic fields would act as a prison. So when he created the earth, he created their imprisonment, place of imprisonment. But he begins to deceive her. He said, not only will you not die, but you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the deception implies that it would be good for them to do this. You'll be God. You'll be a divine being. He uses the word Elohim. And he implants the seed of doubt in Eve's mind that God had an ulterior motive. 
her sense of fair play. Have you heard this lately? A loving God would never send anybody to hell. This can't be right. He would never do those things. What about uh, Noah and his family and the flood and the ark? Oh, that's just an allegory. Oh, oh okay. No. Eh, wrong answer. The deception happens with Satan getting you to think that God is not fair, that a loving God wouldn't do those things. And, and he doesn't. We've talked about this before. He lets you choose where you want to spend eternity, and then he checks the schedule to see what you've chosen. But you will be like God during the 80s when the uh, New Age thing hit and the crystals and self, self-enlightenment self and, and all through the 90s and even now. It's about being God. You're a little God. No, you're a little daft, as the English would say, because you're not God. You can't have the fullness of knowledge. You can't have his superior nature. You can't be God, but that's what he's telling Eve, and it appeals to her. Why? I don't know. Everything's really good. There's no reason for her to fall for this. But he's the minute he gets in, the minute the enemy gets in, the minute you listen to the deception, you're in trouble. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was just like every other tree. It wasn't poisonous. It wasn't something to be afraid of, except you were told not to eat from it. It's very desirable because she looks at it, she can see it, and she wants it. That's how sin gets started. That's how error begins The issue here is one of obedience and subsequently disobedience to the word of God. So she took the fruit down, could have stopped there. And Adam, by the way, is not saying anything. The word says he was there with her. Now, whether he got there after the serpent showed up or whenever, but he was there when she took the fruit, but he doesn't stop her. The next and final step is she ate of it. And then she gave it to him. And he could have said, no, I'm not going to do this. But he didn't. He was the final failsafe. Adam was the one who could have stopped all of this. And he doesn't. He eats it. Why, why I don't know. I can give you a lot of personal theories. But that's all they would be. When we get to eternity... There's a couple of people I want to talk to. I want to know why Elijah ran from Jezebel after calling down fire on Mount Carmel. And I want to know why Adam didn't stop the chain of events that were happening at that moment. He doesn't even ask a question. But suddenly their eyes are opened. They both knew the fruit was forbidden. Both Adam and Eve have now broken relationship with the Lord God, and the world was changed forever. And you remember that thing about you will surely die? Only from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Otherwise, on the day you eat from it, you will most certainly die because of your disobedience. Well, they did. They died both spiritually and physically. Physical death came into a life that was supposed to be immortal. They were created to be immortal. 
and their spiritual life ended at that moment. They were disconnected from a loving God, and they began to die. Their bodies began to die. Disconnected from their Heavenly Father. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. That's what Satan felt when he got kicked out of heaven. Satan wanted them and wants us to feel what he felt. He inflicted his pain on mankind. That's why sharing the gospel, that's why setting the captives free, that's why the casting out of demons, that's why everything we've been told to do is so important. We're undoing the damage that Satan continues to do on his creation. Vine's expository note says, Satan plants a doubt, then he plants denial. Then he plants delusion. He said in Genesis 3, 4, you will not surely die. Satan is saying that God's holding out on us. That's at the root of all temptation. Anytime the devil tempts us to sin, he's trying to cause us to believe that there is something good that God doesn't want us to have. This deception has been around since the beginning. It was in the church in the early days, because Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 11.3, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted by the simplicity that is in Messiah. It's always been there. It will always be there. It's even a danger to us in our redeemed natures. He's always trying to deceive us. He's always trying to get us to believe the lie. And although Scripture and people have tried to make put the blame on Eve, the fact is Adam could have stopped the transgression and he didn't. And the consequences of his failure, of his sin, his disobedience for the entire human race was tremendous. And that's why the good news about Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, the second Adam, is so important. That God made salvation universally available to us, despite what they did. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one who much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of the righteousness will reign in life through one, Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. 
where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Grace was offered, a a greater grace than the sin that caused the death that Yeshua had to die for. See, the law came to increase and expand our awareness of the trespass by defining and unmasking sin. That's what the law did. It defined what sin was. But where sin increased, the Father's remarkable, gracious gift of grace, his unmerited favor, has surpassed all of it, increased all the more. Adam and Eve's decision, whether by ignorance, whether by accident, no matter what, it caused a heavenly ripple effect that not only engulfed us, engulfed Yeshua. See, sin doesn't just hurt you. It hurts everybody around you. It hurts the people you care about. It hurts the people you love. Isaiah 53 says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and pains, acquainted with grief and sickness, and like one from whom men hid their hide their faces, he was despised. We did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. Surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and has carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities, which is inbred sin. The chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. All we, like sheep, have gone astray and have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has made it to light upon him the guilt and iniquity of us all. All of us, I don't care who we were, we were sheep that have gone astray. And sometimes, unfortunately, people still do. We've turned everyone to our own ways like Eve did, like Adam did. And because of that, the Lord God, the Father, laid our iniquity, our sin upon him. That's what ignorance does. That's what happens when we don't know what he said. It even goes down to four generations, the sins of the father down to four generations. Sin has this ripple effect that when I look back on what was passed down to me, and then how I hurt my family, my wife, and my son Jesse, and and how I hurt myself, and how I, I led other people astray with my beliefs about the new age and the occult. There's a ripple effect to this. It's important for you to know what he said. It's important for you to know why he said what he said. We were talking about love for the last three weeks before tonight. And I really thought I was going to do one more, 
But then the events of this world and this week and seeing people so easily deceived by the legacy media, which is a tool of Hasatan and the fallen. I've realized people don't know the word. They don't know what he said. They don't know what he's saying. And like sheep, they've gone astray. It's not a mistake that the Lord called the sheep. Sheep are some of the dumbest animals on the face of the earth. Oh, they're sweet. They're very loving. People that have them talk about how affectionate they could be. They're just not real bright. They'll walk off the edge of a cliff looking for, for, for grass. They'll wander right into the mouth of a wolf or a predator. But he makes a way for us where there seems to be no way. And he took all of our sins and our ignorance and our rebellion. He took responsibility for it. But I want to, I, I want to say unequivocally, the same ignorance that endangered Eve still endangers us. First John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And we know who the God of this world is. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes from who? The God of this world. He's behind the lust of the flesh, the craving for sensual gratification. Oh my goodness, you can't turn on anything in any media, whether on TV or uh, streaming or whether social media, when you look at Instagram and all these other places, the amount of sex people are trying to sell, the amount of exposure, the things that are happening are to gratify their, their sensual pleasures. It's to feed the lust of the eyes, the greeting longings that the enemy wants us to have. And it's the pride of life. Oh, so much pride. We're assured in our own resources and our own abilities and the stability of earthly things. Folks, that doesn't come from the Father. It comes from the world itself. I am by no means a prude, and I am very unconventional. But I will tell you that we were given rules about our behavior, not just to protect us, but to protect others. So that we don't seduce, we don't entice, we don't help the enemy do his job. I don't know about you, but I am flat out sick and tired of the enemy having it so easy. I am flat out sick and tired of the enemy getting away with what he gets away with. But the fact is he gets us to do it to ourselves. Vine's expository notes goes on here and says, it'll always be the same. Satan will always tempt you in one of the three directions, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. It may be a physical temptation, appeal to the flesh. It may be an emotional temptation, appeal to the emotion. Or it may be a, a spiritual temptation, an appeal to the spiritual nature. Satan has never changed his methods because it's been so successful. 
The enemy will always push your buttons and will always push the same buttons until that button doesn't work anymore. Praise God, I got delivered of those buttons. But guess what? We're still in our fleshly shell. And this zombie nature that's just laying dormant, waiting for us to feed it, to bring it back to life, is always there. That's why getting in the Word, that's why praise and worship, that's why coming together and listening to the Word and understanding it and feeling the presence of God. I am blessed that I do this. I am blessed that I study the Word. I am blessed that I spend time with the Lord. And I mean active, conversational time with the Lord. Strive for that. Doesn't mean you have to be me. That's not what I'm saying. But you're not going to make it in this fallen world system. You're not going to make it in a world that is ruled by Satan and his angels and their demonic offspring. You're not going to survive the deception that's going on in this world unless you know what he said. Jeremiah 50 verse 6, the Lord speaking, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have turned away on the mountains. They've gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. Now, Jeremiah is prophesying against Babylon and its influence on Israel, but it's the same as it is today. His people have become lost sheep. Their shepherds, their teachers, their pastors, their preachers have led them astray with false teachings, selfish teachings, uh, self-promotion, False prophets, P-R-O-F-I-T-S. And they've made them, God's children, to turn aside to the seductive ways of idolatry. The worship of everything but him. Oh, I don't worship any false gods, really? I bet if I went on your social media account, I'd find worship of false gods. I'd find celebrities that you worship. I'd find things that you want in your life, that you desire, that you admire, that you lust after. Now, we have fallen prey to the idolatry of this world. We've gone along from one sin to another, from one mountain to a hill. And remember, they built the false uh, uh, temples and the idols up on these mountains and those hills. And we've forgotten that he is our resting place. Our final resting place is with him. Babylon is alive and well, but he will come. He will come to destroy it. We'll see it destroyed. But thankfully, he gave us a new covenant. In Jeremiah 31, it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man turn to his neighbor and every man to his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they 
all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. And that covenant he made with Israel and Judah, that covenant he made with the the, the Jewish people that he loved so much has been given to us as we've been grafted into the vine. That Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth, Adonai Yeshua, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised them from the dead, you will be saved. And that's all it says. It doesn't say you got to kneel. It doesn't say you have to pray this prayer. It doesn't say you have to do this or that. The thief on the cross, the one who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord looked at him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That was it. He acknowledged him as Lord. He acknowledged him as king. And he wanted to be where he was. And Yeshua took him. So stop making it so hard. This isn't a dog and pony show. There's no dance. There's no hop. There's no skip. There's no jump. There's no piece of paper or book you got to buy. There's no church you got to join because you are the church. But if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord, you recognize his power, authority, and majesty as God and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confession with the mouth, that's the mind. Believe in the heart. The two of them come together and there is a, an explosion in your spiritual and I even believe in your physical DNA that unfortunately we don't get the body we are supposed to get until he comes back. But you are born again. That's why the message of you must be born again is so important. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. If he remembered my I remember. Sometimes I remember. Sometimes I get reminded. Sometimes the enemy slips something in and says, Hey, remember when you did this? And there's a sadness that comes on to me. How easily I was deceived. But then there's a joy when I remember, Wait a second. That Richard's dead. I'm alive. I'm a new creation. Those sins are not in my bank account anymore. The blood has covered them. When I stand before them, he's not going to read them out to me. My DNA is not going to report to him everything I've done wrong because it's been erased by the blood. When we repent and come to Yeshua and decide we need a Savior, he gives us his righteousness. We are clothed in his righteousness because our righteousness, human righteousness, human effort, the Bible says is filthy rags. But when you stand before the Father, you won't be wearing filthy rags. You'll be wearing one of his robes of righteousness so that when he looks at us, he sees his son. Our sins are covered. His righteousness has washed them away. His blood has washed them away. His time on the cross has washed them away. And when he sat down at the right hand of the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit, the deal was sealed. And our sins are held against us no more. So the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? 
The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, the representative of Satan, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, indicating he walked. And you shall eat the dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, which is hatred, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Which means, Yeshua, a woman does not have seed. The man gives the woman seed and then the child is born. But between your seed and her seed, the seed of the virgin birth, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Satan, Eve, and Adam all bore the blame for the sin that we took upon ourselves. And each of them received punishment that was unique to his or her situation, and that's not what this is about. And they each had a key relationship with God that was altered. Because God the Father is a just God. And any punishment he gives is proportionate to the offense and lines up with his character and his nature. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Proverbs 20 verse 9 says, Who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. No one. No one can say that. No one can save themselves. No one can fix themselves. Without the Lord in your life, you can't be fixed. You may make adjustments in your behavior, but you won't make correction. Correction comes from deliverance. Correction comes from the Lord. And as I shared with somebody today, I've been fooled by people making adjustments but never making correction and always getting stung by their behavior and my Dumb decisions to believe it. We're supposed to offer grace. We're supposed to offer love. But there comes a point where you should at least expect the possibility that it may not turn out well. That's why it's so important for them to get saved. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him, the God, the Father made the Son, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Are you getting it? Are you getting the idea of why I bang the drum, you must be born again? Why I talk about the Great Commission, go out and make disciples of all the world? Why I talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit working together? Because that was the message of the book of Acts Church. That was the foundation on which the church was built. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Messiah. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. Which is why both Jew and Greek, Jew and Romans had to participate in his crucifixion. Because salvation came to them both And unfortunately, their ignorance had a price. It cost the Lord his life. Our ignorance has a price when we don't know what he said. Messiah. Suffering was indicating in the prophecy of his heel being struck. But when he struck the serpent's head, that's a decisive blow. 
And if you really want to get literal, he took the cross and smashed his authority. And the Messiah's death, resurrection, and final victory over Satan after the second coming and after the final judgment will happen. But you know it just blows my mind that even after a thousand years of peace and perfection, lying, laying down with the Lamb, all the things that prophecy has said will happen, all those things on the earth, Satan gets out of prison, and what does he do? He deceives people. Revelation chapter 20, verse 7. Now, when a thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. And he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, which is Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever. Humanity, those that are left on the earth at that time. Now, we've been redeemed. We've got our supernatural bodies but those that are on the earth who live for those thousand years who suffer, who have not suffered, who, who don't have any reason to rebel, still do. But Revelation 22 gives us hope. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And John says, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral, and murderers and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Yeshua, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And the spirit and the bride have something to say. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Maranatha, come, Adonai Yeshua, come, Lord Jesus, come. But until you do inspire, change, heal, deliver, let us know your voice. Let us hear your voice. Let us know what you said so that there's never a doubt. We can't be deceived. We can't be fooled again. We can walk in power. We can walk in victory. We can do everything you told us to do and set the captives free, lay hands on the sick and recover. Heal broken hearts, heal broken bodies, raise the dead, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf ear. No more pain, no more suffering, and no more victory of the enemy. Finally, once and for all, Hasatan, 
the, the, the fallen angels, their demonic offspring, everything of the kingdom of darkness will be overwhelmed by the power of your light and the power of your love. No more deception, no more lies, no more you asking, what have you done? Lord, you know how much I love you and you know how much I cry out to you to set the captives free and do what I'm called to do. But I'm asking you to inspire and awaken your children. Just set one person free, just one. And that person sets one person free. Let's plunder the kingdom. Let's steal the treasure of the enemy. Let's set the captives free and let's put the world on notice. Yeshua, Jesus, is alive. And he's coming back again. And it's going to be soon. I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. Now, because I'm doing this on my phone and for some reason there is no closing music, but when I fix all this up and I put it online tomorrow, it'll have it. And, and But you have the, if you're listening live, you had the experience of hearing it raw and natural. And maybe this is the way it should be done. I don't know. As my wife says, sometimes my old professional nature slides in there and I see and hear things that other people don't see and hear. But really all it's about, it's about the gospel. The Lord loves you. Be blessed. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.